It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of palatable prose from this week's coverage. I'm Anne McElvoy, and I lead Economist Radio. On our menu this week, treasure hunters head out west the pizza-making robots trying to take a slice of the food industry, and why camel trading is increasingly lucrative. But first, the burning question was our cover line this week. With America's president-elect Donald Trump unambiguously ambiguous about his stance on climate change, the rest of the world is wary of what's to come. But with or without America's leadership, the show must go on, as our cover leader explained. Blowing hot and cold doesn't begin to cover it. In 2009, Donald Trump signed a public letter calling for cuts to America's greenhouse gas emissions. In 2012, he dismissed climate change as a hoax cooked up by the Chinese. Blazing along the campaign trail, he promised to eject America from the Paris deal, but that bluster appears to have been calmed. This week, as president-elect, Mr Trump said he has an open mind on the Paris deal and that there is some connectivity between human activity and climate change. Optimists are hoping he'll govern differently to the way he campaigned, but his early recommitment to old fuels chimes with his American dream. Fossil fuels stand for prosperity and freedom, from the romance of the roughneck to the lure of the road. And the president-elect seems to be tapping into these cultural roots. Sure enough, on November 21st, Mr Trump pledged that on day one of his administration he would scrap job-killing restrictions on the production of American fossil fuels, which account for 80% of America's man-made greenhouse gas emissions. But even if America does step back from prior commitments, others on the world stage look set to carry the mantle, even if only for self-interest. China takes air pollution in its cities at least as seriously as it does climate change, a recent study found that air pollution contributed to the deaths of 1.6 million people in China each year. India needs climate action as insurance against extreme weather. It spends a fortune in the wake of storms, floods and other events. And economic nous should prevail too. The costs of clean energy are tumbling. Solar power is closing in on gas and coal as an attractively cheap source of power. Whether America is on the front line or not, the world must carry on the fight. With climate change, as with other areas that have come to depend on American leadership, the rest of the world can make the best of a bad situation by staying the course. Our issue this week has a special report investigating the future of oil, so do pick up a copy or head to our website to read more. As we called for a spirit of global resilience in our cover leader, our America's section explored a more mystical one, that of the grizzly bear. A case in Canada's Supreme Court is pitting an indigenous group's religious freedoms against the will of mountain-bound tourists, as an article explained. The Katoon Aha First Nation, an indigenous group in southeastern British Columbia, believes that the grizzly bear spirit resides in a sacred part 
of the Purcell Mountains that they call Katmuk. But local snow zealots believe that the true calling of the mountain range is to be a ski resort, and they've been pushing for that for 25 years. On December 1st, the Katoon Aha will bring their fight to Canada's Supreme Court. The case will set a precedent in Canada and reverberate abroad. Sacred sites are an issue in protests against the Dakota oil pipeline in the United States. New Zealand's government recently conferred the rights of a person on a national park sacred to the Maori people. Indeed, Canada's Supreme Court has ruled before on Indigenous people's land rights, but not based on religious beliefs. The nature of that faith, which assigns sacred value to features of the landscape, poses a puzzle for the courts. The Katoon Aha maintain that skiers will drive away the grizzly bear spirit, making their rituals meaningless. So will it be ski suits or spirits roaming the mountains? Find our assessment on our website. We explored the status of a more tangible animal over in our Middle East and Africa section this week. Speedy and allegedly quite tasty, camels are becoming a lucrative asset to trade. The Rashida, a tribe that migrated to Sudan and Eritrea from Saudi Arabia in the mid-19th century, are renowned for breeding some of the world's speediest racing camels. Quick on the sand, swifter being sold. Emiratis buy between 100 and 300 young camels a year from the village of Abu Talia, some for as much as $80,000, says Hamid Hamid, a mustachioed patriarch. There are around 800 racing beasts in a settlement of 1,200 people, he estimates, and many more are being raised for slaughter. Perhaps that's why many in this normally nomadic tribe have decided to settle for the moment. They have also adapted to the United Arab Emirates' ban on child jockeys after the state was censured by the UN in 2005. Boys still train some camels, but others are whipped along by miniature robots dressed in jockey silks and given orders remotely from white Toyota pickup trucks. From silk-clad mechanic camel jockeys trailing East Africa's deserts, we head to our business section, where we find robots cooking up pizzas to denizens of Silicon Valley. Where else? It's an enticing proposition, but as an article explained, technology firms may find it tricky to upend America's food industry. Zoom Pizza has programmed robots to make pizzas that are then put into a van and baked as they hurtle towards customers. Ovens are timed to finish cooking in sync with the vehicle's arrival at their destination, so the pies are always piping hot. And against such a claim, competitive rivalry has been heating up too. In recent weeks, spies from rival pizza companies and from food delivery firms have been driving by in unmarked cars, taking photographs of the office and the vans. Nothing like a little espionage al fresco. And while this isn't the first tech startup to try to take a slice of the food industry, other efforts have come out a bit half-baked. Hampton Creek, which has raised more than $120 million from venture capitalists in order to create a vegan, environmentally conscious version of mayonnaise and other kitchen staples, is now reportedly facing an inquiry into whether it bought its own products to inflate lacklustre sales figures. Its CEO has denied any such purpose. And no matter how good the business model, reinventing food can be a risky business. Soylent, 
a startup that offers drinkable meals that are popular among engineers who are too busy coding to eat, has recently stumbled. The algae it included in some of its products turned out to cause stomach problems. Food may be one realm where people do not mind getting stuck with version 1.0. While some culinary innovations may take a little time to bring in the dough, we turn now to the fads and fashions being tried out in the field of economics. On our Money Talk show this week, economics correspondent Samaya Keynes explored how the advent of methods like machine learning is opening up new avenues for prediction. But as she explains, the risk is of missing the bigger picture. It should just be expanding the scope of economists and expanding the number of questions that they can answer. I think one of the other general criticisms with these new methods and these new crazes is that essentially economists get so excited by their new method that they get lost in the weeds of applying this new method and they don't take a step back. Zooming right out then, we look towards the rather murky skies hanging over India with the flavour of our science and technology podcast, Babbage. Technology correspondent Hal Hodson described a new method for tackling air pollution using old, disused jet engines. Take a listen to Babbage to find out how that venturous idea might work. But here, Hal tells us where they source the engines from, the place retired jets go to spend their final days. They're also working on getting four from a place known as the Boneyard, which is a specific wing of the US Air Force that deals exclusively with scrapping aircraft, essentially. This is a place where there are four and a half thousand airplanes, jet planes, sitting around in the desert in Arizona. So you know where to go for those spare jet parts you're missing then. Over in our United States section, we reported on the droves of hopeful treasure hunters heading west. A man who was diagnosed with terminal cancer buried a box of gold and jewels, but then lived to tell the tale and watch the hunt. In the mid-19th century, hundreds of thousands of Americans flocked west in search of gold. Today, those with a thirst for treasure are heading to the Rocky Mountains, where Forrest Fenn an octogenarian art collector, claims to have hidden a bronze box containing gold coins, Chinese jade, emerald jewellery and other riches, including two gold nuggets as large as chicken eggs. Let's hope he remembers where he put it all. But it was a plan born out of ill fate. Mr Fenn first had the idea to stash away the treasure nearly 30 years ago, when he was diagnosed with aggressive kidney cancer, and told his chances were slim. But fate changed direction, and Mr Fenn can now enjoy watching all the adventure his parting gift inspired. In his memoir, Thrill of the Chase, which was published later that year, he wrote a six-paragraph poem said to contain nine clues indicating where the treasure lies. It concludes, So hear me all and listen good, your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood... I give you title to the gold. If you're intrigued by that, you're certainly not alone. Based on the number who have contacted him, Mr Fenn estimates that up to 100,000 people have thronged to the Rockies in search of his hidden cash over the past six years. Better make that 100,001. I'm Anne McElvoy, off to join the hunt, and that was our tasting menu. Don't forget to give us your feedback by emailing radio at economist.com, tweeting us or writing to us on Facebook. And do let us know if you find that treasure. You heard it here first. In London, this is The Economist. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.